You're listening to a Sunday service podcast from First Universalist Church of Minneapolis. We're a faith community committed to racial justice, a place where we practice a deep and authentic welcome, where we listen deeply to where love is calling us next, and a place where with humility, courage, and compassion, we act for justice in the world. To learn more, please visit us online at firstuniversalistchurch.org. Let's see, how's my mic working? Yes, my name is Jen Crow. I'm one of your ministers here at First Universalist, and I'm so very glad to be with you today in person in the sanctuary and on Zoom. It's always good to gather any way that we can. And I wonder, as you've been coming into this sanctuary, either in person or virtually, if you've noticed anything different. I mean, anything at all. Anyone? Anything? This? Right? Look how beautiful this is. This is amazing. So this is thanks to our visual arts team, volunteers from the congregation who dream and imagine and then create something gorgeous for all of us to rest in. So, so much gratitude for this gift that that team has given us, right? So we've got their interpretation of the northern skies, right? So with this beautiful dark blue fabric as the night sky, the iridescent, beautiful trees and these snowflakes that are cascading down and this beautiful snow background plus a little cave for hibernating. Seriously. So anybody is welcome to bring their stuffed animals to hibernate in this snow cave for the month of December, right? So this isn't finished. We are still creating it together, right? So we need some little animals in there to uh, take a rest for the winter. Now, part of what I absolutely love about this is its beauty, the way that it's carving out this space for wonder for us, but also how I imagine it came to be. Somebody dreamt this up. Somebody looked at this space and thought, do you know what I can do here? Northern Lights wasn't me. <laughs> and somebody thought that up, shared it with another person, shared it with another person, and together they dreamt up how they might actually be able to make the Northern Lights happen in this space. One person brought an idea, other people joined into that idea and added to it and helped to figure out, well, how could we make that real in this space? And I know enough to know that the team came and worked on this over two days, at least, and that things didn't always go exactly as they planned. 
So even with all that dreaming and imagination and all the sketching and gathering of materials, there were still moments, I'm sure, where they were up there pretty high and things were not going as planned. And they needed to stop and talk to each other and reimagine and try again to build what they had been dreaming about. So I think about that and I think, isn't that what church is all about? To have a dream of what might be possible, to have each of us add to that our own thoughts and imaginations, to together try to build it, to sometimes be way up high on a ladder and have things not going the way you planned, and then regroup and reimagine and try again. Isn't that what the spiritual life is about? Isn't that what church is about? We are here because we dream of something different than the world we are living in. We dream of a community of love and justice and hope. We dream of creating a space here, of carving out a spot for imagination, for courage, for justice, for love, for building beloved community where each and every one of us is welcome and wanted, whole and holy and worthy, just because we are alive and here, where we can welcome everyone in with joy. That's the world we're trying to create together again and again and again. So if you are here with us for the first time or the 500th time, we are so very glad you are here And there are lots of ways to join in, to learn more about our community, to add your dreams to ours. Downstairs in the social hall, if you're here in person, you can check out the blue table. Blue meaning Black Lives of Unitarian Universalism. Blue is our holiday giving recipient. You'll hear more about that later in the service. But by stopping downstairs, you can learn more about what Blue is about, about their housing project, and about housing justice. They'll be downstairs, and Lena Gardner is here, their executive director, church member, to answer questions, share information. They're here this week and the next two Sundays. There are so many ways to get involved and be connected here. Let's arrive all the way, if you haven't already. You might notice part of how I do that is I put my feet squarely on the ground. My invitation to you, wherever you are, is to notice where you are, to notice your body in the space, to listen for any sounds you might hear, anything you might feel. And then if you feel comfortable doing so, let's have three on-purpose breaths together to arrive. I invite you to breathe in and to breathe out slowly. To breathe in and to breathe out slowly. And one more time, breathing in. And breathing out. From this space of connection across time and place through our shared breath, we remember that wherever we are, the land where we are has been stewarded for generations, for thousands upon thousands of years by native peoples, by the animals and insects, 
by the wind, the air, the water, the plants. We pause to give thanks and also to acknowledge the pain that has been, that has been caused and continues to be caused by human hands and hearts. We commit ourselves to putting an end to that harm and to adding our words and our deeds to support the resilience of the earth and the native peoples who continue to call this place home. With this commitment in our hearts, we turn to the lighting of our chalice, and I invite Kate and Ada to come forward. Please join me in saying the words for lighting our chalice. Love is the spirit of this church, and service is its law. This is our great covenant, to dwell together in peace, to seek the truth in love, and to help one another. I will admit something you may already know, which is that I'm someone who's very interested in words and the meaning of words and ideas, and especially spiritual ideas. Probably not a shock. But I will say that this week, I was hanging out with some minister friends, and we were talking about the word miracle. What in the world does the word miracle mean to us as Unitarian Universalists? What constitutes a miracle? What makes it up? Is that word even of any use to us? Well, I like the word a whole lot. And I'm wondering for you all, what might the word miracle mean to you? Give me one or two words. You can just shout it out or put it in the chat. What might be a, a miracle? Luck, forgiveness, change, Christmas. There was something else this way. Sudden surprise, everything. Unbelievable, one of my favorite words of all time. Love realized. Change of seasons. Was there another one? Okay, say it again. Help. Hallelujah on that one. The existence of life. Anybody in chat? Skull. <laughs> Thanks for that. <laughs> so miracle for us as Unitarian Universalists could be luck, help, forgiveness, the existence of life, skull, could be all of these things. I tend to believe that it's anything that is unexpected, unbelievable, and maybe even something so good I never thought it was possible. So I'm going to start a story for us today, but I'm going to need your help finishing it or adding to it to make it fully complete. And I'm going to need a total of three volunteers, and there could be a volunteer from online too if you want. If you want to do that, I'll be able to read your contribution as part of this story. Someone online is saying the unexplainable Amazing, unpredictable, unexplainable. <laughs> so anyway, if you want to volunteer, I need a total of three folks. I'm hoping one person online will volunteer. And you're, here's your job, I'll tell you. I'll give you the first couple sentences of the story, and then you're going to help me build around it. So you need to be somebody who feels okay enough being up front uh, or online. You need to be someone who can be creative and concise. Concise means to
to use just a few words to share an idea. Um, do we have... All right, I've got my... Oh, I've got several online volunteers. I've got... Looks like Dallas and Allie are going to volunteer online. Can I get two in-person people? Anybody? You can bring somebody with you if you want. Yeah, come on over. And there was somebody over here? Way in the front. Ah, thank you. Come on over. Come on up if you want. All right. All right. And Dallas and Allie, (laughs) be prepared too on there. I'll be calling on you in just a moment. Thanks. Come on over. All right, so when it's your turn, you'll speak into the microphone, um, and I'll read off the folks who are online. So here's the miracle that happened for me this week, okay? The miracle is this. Tuesday was very snowy, yes? I hate shoveling. (laughs) Within a half an hour of me getting home from work and the kids getting home from school, All the pathways were clear. So I want you to, can you think about, add to my story here, what happened in that half an hour that might be totally unbelievable or amazing? Maybe some some guy on his block had a snowblower and decided to and decided to snow blow all all the every the whole blocks that's awesome the whole. so all right what else happened so somebody with a snow blower decided to snow blow the whole block what else happened maybe your children did it oh oh maybe my children did it awesome you guys can head down if you want okay so Maybe it was a snowblower. Maybe my kids did it. All right, so Allie and Dallas. Um, Allie, would you tell me what happened after all of that? <laughs> so I'm going to ask for what happened after the snowblower and the kids did their thing. And then Dallas, you can tell me what happened beforehand. Allie, what you got for me? Oh, we made some snow angels. Oh, no, or the snow angels passed by while we were making ours, and they did our, did our walkways. Maybe some bunnies came out and burrowed the paths. Oh, I like that. Um, what about anything happened after the, all this? The path was clear, and we frolicked through the walks on the sides of the houses. I like this. And how about, did anything happen before? Because a story has a before, a during, and an after, right? Anything before the snow went away? This is the Zoom delay land, but that is all right. Anybody here have a before? What happened before? Beautiful. It was beautiful. Yes, it was. It was also overwhelming. (laughs) So... All right, from Dallas, and here we go, and from Allie, before. The bunnies were noticing that you didn't like shoveling, so they talked about how they could help. Aw. And from Allie, there were blistering winds and snow falling when you pick up the shovel and watched it fall to the side. And then, thank you, Mary, uh, the neighbors had a snowball fight after. (laughs) I love our story. I love noticing the unbelievable miraculous things that happen each and every day. 
like that we're alive, like that we're breathing, like that we help each other out, like that we showed up however we showed up today. So many everyday miracles to notice, the unexpected, the good, the fortunate, the ways we help, the ways we forgive, the ways we create something beautiful together. Thanks for the story, you all. So I invite us to keep on settling in, to keep on arriving right here, wherever that is for us, to settle our bodies, to be right where we are, perhaps to take some time to soften our gaze or close our eyes if that feels right, to let our breathing get a little deeper. I've been remembering this week, remembering a question I used to get quite often from Julica Herman de la Fuente. The question was, what impossible thing will you do next? What impossible thing will you do next? This was a question for me sometimes, but more often a question for our congregation. What impossible thing will we do next? There was something about that question that would shake off and shake away the constraints, the shackles, the things that bound me and us in our imagination, the things that kept us dreaming small and instead opened us up to dreaming big. What impossible thing will we do next? Making space to dream, dreams where we could fly, dreams where we could join up with our ancestors, dreams where the animals spoke, dreams where all those constraints could slip away. A space not bounded by all of the imprints of colonialism, of imperialism, of capitalism, of white supremacy culture. A space open to possibility and dreams. What impossible thing would we do next if we could dream it? I bring this question back to us to hold in this space of meditation and prayer. What if we forgot about how it used to be done? What didn't work last time? What if we let go of the boundaries and constraints of how we thought we were gonna fail? What if we opened up to dreaming something big, to inviting each other in, to trying and making mistakes and trying again? What impossible thing would we do next? Spirit of life and love, 
May there be space for us to dream. May there be carved out hollows in our lives like those snow caves, places where we can be safe and warm, where the night can fall and our dreams might awaken. May there be space for us and for each other to imagine a new way, a new world where everyone is welcome and wanted, whole and holy and worthy. May there be dreaming and creating of the world of love and justice that we long for. And may we remember the way is not alone. The way is together, supporting and building each other up, creating something beyond our wildest dreams. In this community of care, we circle our love around to hold each other and all. We make space to, to name the ups and downs, the joys and sorrows in our own lives, to hold them in our hearts or to speak them out loud or type them in the chat. Together we hold it all. Together we pray that the grip of addiction might be loosened, that the weight of oppression might be lightened, that grief might be shared, that joy might break through, and that love might make every suffering bearable for us all. Amen. Some of you know that I was raised in a strongly atheist family in which, yeah, it's a funny term, right, strongly atheist, but they were strongly atheist, trust me. Hard hardcore might be a better way to put it, a hardcore atheist family in which one parent was raised Hindu, the other Muslim, and both left their respective religious backgrounds. 
And so no one is more surprised than me when biblical passages come to me seemingly out of nowhere and then stay with me poking at my heart and mind while I am waking up, brushing my teeth, working out at the gym. So it was these last few weeks with the first part of Genesis. I was thinking about this morning's service, and one morning I woke up with these words in my heart. In the beginning, heaven and earth were created, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the energies of nature of God moved upon the face of the waters. And from the void, a voice was heard saying, let there be light. And there was light, and it was good. And the light was divided from the darkness, not with a sharp line, but diffusely. Light blending to dark grays and purples and blues. And the light was called day, and the darkness was called night, and the periwinkle of evening and the rose of morning were the first day. And from the void, a voice said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters and let it divide the waters from the waters. And so, over time it came to be, and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above, and it was so. And someone called the firmament heaven, and the name stuck. And the evening and the morning were the second day. And from the void a voice said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together unto one place, and let the dry land appear, and over time it was so. And the dry land was called earth, and the gathering together of the waters called the seas, and it was good. And the energies of life and nature, dormant in the earth, started to awaken. Said, let the earth bring forth grass, the herb yielding seed, and the fruit tree yielding fruit after their kind whose seed is in itself upon the earth, and it was so. And the earth brought forth grass, an herb yielding seed after their kind, and the tree yielding fruit whose seed was in itself after their kind, and it was good. And the evening and the morning were the third day, and so on, and so on till we arrive at this day of rest and contemplation of our labors. Now, I was surprised when these words came to me, but I have been in this long enough, and to be honest, I am woo-woo enough, (laughs) that when a sacred text comes knocking at my door, I know enough to shut up and to listen to what it has to say to me. And in this case, I'm pretty sure that it wanted me to share those words with you. 
and then to offer up these invitations. What was there before this story starts? Surely something was there. It is without a doubt a rhetorical device to start the story in the middle of things, in a time of chaos. I mean, all of our stories start in the middle of things. And to be honest, starting in the middle is often, if not always, chaotic. There are many things happening, like there were in our story this morning. There are many things happening, seemingly contradictory or perhaps not in control. Finding our way to a through line can feel challenging, if not totally impossible. And yet, I think there's a clue in Genesis. Here's what I've discerned these past few weeks and days. There's a clue here because in Genesis, there is a listening in each moment for what is being called forth from that creative, chaotic energy. There is a formless void, an unordered dance of energies in the darkness, and a voice calls out for light so that we can see and light comes into being. And we are reminded that even in the midst of unknowing, there is light and that it is good. And so it continues. This slow, methodical ordering into the creation that we know. Whispers and dreams out of the darkness, slowly creating the ground under our feet and the regular heartbeat saying, it is good, it is good, it is good. We start with birth. Genesis as one story of birth. One story of the beginning of the beginning. A story that itself starts in the middle and therefore must have a before, even if, we're, even if we've forgotten what was there and an after, even if we are not sure where after creation actually exists. Perhaps this story kept prodding me to remind me, to remind us that there is something bigger going on amidst the everyday of our lives. That we are entering a time of beginnings, that beginnings always have a before and an after, that they can feel very much like a time of chaos and that dreams can speak to us of the little bit of ground we can put under our feet as we make good the creation that is ours to make. There is another story of beginnings in our tradition. This one a little closer at hand. Imagine your way into this with me, if you will. Grandmother says that if we are quiet, we might hear the baby crying sometimes. That in this last month, our baby can cry and see and is working on getting big enough and strong enough to come out into the world. Crying? In there? But why? 
Surely it's warm and cozy in there. Why would our boy cry? It is a boy, right, Mary? That's what your, your, your dream, that's what your dream told you, isn't it? Why are you men so obsessed with having boys? I'm not obsessed. I just, I just want, I mean, I mean, nothing is ever going to be the same again, is it? What do you mean, Joseph? I mean the extra sheep so we can save a bit more money, start that inn in Bethlehem so I can stop following the Roman construction projects all around the countryside. We didn't plan on things being like this. Neither of us did. Have faith, Joseph. Have faith. Have faith. That's what they all said. In your dream, Joseph? Yes, in my dreams. Joseph, listen, here's how it's going to be. Here's what I need you to do. And I argued with him, Mary. In my dream, I tried to say that it could be another way, but nope. It was all, listen, Joseph, here's what I need you to do for me, and have faith. Have faith. How can anyone have faith at a time like this? Roman soldiers everywhere you look can't walk around without people looking at me and whispering. And winter is coming. It is so cold. It is so dark. How can anyone have faith at a time like this, Mary? Maybe you can, but I, I have doubts. But we both had the dreams, Joseph. Maybe not the same dreams, but it means something to me that God, that something came to us both, told us both about this baby. Something called to us, Joseph. I don't know what it was. I can't explain it, but something called to us. Perhaps we can have faith together. I don't know if that was how the conversation between Mary and Joseph went down. I do think that it was Mary's energy and faith that carried them through. And I can also well imagine their fear. They're wondering at what it would mean to bring a child into the world amidst, amidst such chaos, such uncertainty as they must have been in the middle of. And yet, guided by their faith in the whispers of dreams, whispers that something bigger was going on, something that they were just a tiny part of, they waited, dreaming together in the darkness. And this month, in this time, we joined them. And dreams are a magical thing. And in this time, in this season of more darkness, perhaps we have time to allow ourselves a little bit more space to dream. 
a bit more time to open to the dreams that even now are waiting for us to open our hearts, to open our minds, to allow them in. Dr. Glenn Thomas Rideout wrote about going to see Wakanda Forever in this week's Liberal. And if you haven't read it, I encourage you to do so. And if you haven't seen the movie yet, I really encourage you to do so as well. The movie brought tears to my eyes. Dr. Glenn Thomas in The Liberal writes, Rarely is brown skin uneventful in American film. Still, there was more to my happiness than the ebony hues themselves. Everything that I loved about the movie, the tech, the turns of phrase, the fashion, the lips, the rounds of noses, the landscapes, the kindness, the free flow of limbs dancing on rhythms which could only come from my people reminded me afresh how in love I am with being black. He goes on to write, I imagined for myself what it might feel like to not be used to being the lone person of color in a room. I wondered what I might be like with my black pride unfatigued. My mind roamed free in that world. This was deeper than a mythical ebony make-believe. In the dark, there was, for me, an awakening. I won't share any spoilers about the movie, don't worry. But talking with Dr. Glenn Thomas earlier this week, he shared with me that the scenes in the Black Panther movies and the comic books involving dreamlike contact with ancestors are themselves a nod toward East and Central African practices and beliefs. And in that teaching that he shared with me, he added a dimension to my understanding of dreams that I've had. I have inquired of many of you after you have lost a loved one about how you are sleeping. And I've inquired about your dreams. The sleeping, the inquiry about sleeping, is an expression of care for your physical and emotional well-being. The inquiry about dreams is something different. You see, eight and nine years ago, I lost my father and my father-in-law. And here's why I ask about dreaming. Within about a month of losing each of them, I had incredibly vivid dreams in which I experienced what I can only describe as communication with them. Each dream was different, and in each something was said and shared that helped to ease my heart in ways that I didn't know that I needed. I woke from each with a different sense of settledness and the knowledge that they were still with me just differently than they had been before. So when Dr. Glenn Thomas shared with me the backstory of the scenes in Black Panther, something clicked for me differently. Here's what he shared with me. That the movie builds and references the ideas, the practices of Sasha and Zamani, 
The Sasha spirits are those spirits known and remembered by someone who is currently alive. And after the last person who knows and remembers your name dies, you transition from being a Sasha spirit to being Zamani, truly dead. As I dug a bit deeper into this, I learned that it is even deeper than who remembers and who forgets. This next quote comes from theologian and philosopher John Mabiti, who writes, Zamani is not limited to what in English is called the past. It has its own past and present and future, but on a wider scale. We might call it the macro time, the big time. Zamani overlaps with the Sasha, the microtime, and the two are not separable. Sasha feeds or disappears into Zamani, but before events become incorporated into the Zamani, they have to become realized or actualized within the Sasha dimension. When this has taken place, then the events move backward from the Sasha into the Zamani. So Zamani becomes the period beyond which nothing can go. Zamani is the graveyard of time, the period of termination, the dimension in which everything finds its halting point. It is the final storehouse for all phenomena and events, the ocean of time in which everything becomes absorbed into a reality which is neither after nor before. I received this teaching and I realized that perhaps I've been inquiring about your dreams out of an embodied remembering that however we might rationally explain them, our dreams connect us to those that we've lost. That somehow we are connected to this great chain of ancestry of which we are a part. That there is something bigger going on. That even as we are living in this cycle of Sasha, we are at the same time in some way also moving into the Zamani. But words really fail here. Time is something we experience in our bodies. It's something we live within. And so let's sit for a moment, just feeling into these different understandings all happening at the same time of time and of memory. In the beginning was the beginning, but it itself started in the middle. Even at the beginning, something bigger was going on. Out of the chaos of creation, 
we dreamt and made real enough the ground under our feet to look around and say that it was good. And it was good. There was light and dark, day and night, time for work and time for dreams. Ancestors came and went. We told their stories until we stopped telling their stories. Yet some of their stories we still tell, holding them in our memory even as others have faded into the distant, deep graveyard of time. Spiritual creatures living in temporal bodies, remembering and remembered, passing on stories of the miracles to remind us that there's something else, something bigger of which we are a part. We just need to be open to receiving the dreams that even now are searching for us in the dark. May it be so, and amen. My name is Isabel, and I co-chaired the Holiday Planning Committee starting in 2019. When our committee first sat down to discuss our hopes and vision for the holiday giving campaign, one key point was very apparent. We wanted whatever organization we partnered with to be actively working towards racial justice. As our congregation as a whole leans into this important work, we wanted this to be reflected in the holiday giving campaign. More specifically, we wanted our partner to be centered around supporting black leadership and the black liberation. In 2019, um, the committee met with the local black leaders to hear about what organizations were active within the Twin Cities and to hear feedback on how we, a majority, majority white congregation, should approach a partnership with a black-led organization. The result of this work was to create a long-term partnership with Black Lives of Unitarian Universalism, also known as BLUE. BLUE is a national UU organization, and our own congregation's Lena Gardner is currently executive director of BLUE. As a national organization, BLUE is doing racial justice work all over the country and creating spaces for black folks to connect and reconnect with Unitarian Universalism. In 2019, our congregation made a five-year commitment to Blue, with any funds raised during the Holiday Giving Initiative going directly to Blue and the amazing work that they are doing. The biggest challenge that I believe our congregation faces with this partnership is letting go of control. <laughs> In supporting Blue, we as a congregation are taking a step back and are not in the driver's seat. The most integral part of supporting black leaders is trusting black leaders, trusting that they know their own community best, trusting that money or time given by our congregation is being used well and that we trust the work that they are doing. One of Blue's largest undertaking happens to be in our own backyard. Blue purchased eight lots in North Minneapolis and is working to create the Northside Housing Cooperative with the objective to target home ownership through cooperative housing structure for black and indigenous single parent families. After years of planning and permits, this project is set to break ground in the spring of 2023. As Jen mentioned, there's more information about Blue down in the social hall and Lena will be speaking next Sunday as well to give a more detailed update on the housing project and other Blue initiatives. 
Over the last three years, our congregation has raised roughly $84,000. Originally, lo looking at the full five-year commitment our congregation made, the goal was to raise $100,000 in support of Blue. However, I think we can surpass this goal and hopefully reach $100,000 this year with next year being just icing on the cake. Looking at, Blue, looking at the work Blue is already do doing, we know our shared UU values ground us all with the same vision of racial justice. But more than that, understanding that the work in Covenant Blue has already implemented radically embodies and lives out our UU values. As we move into the holiday season, we hope our partnership with Blue will help us all feel grounded in racial justice work. Dear ones, we are singing together again. I'm looking at you all on Zoom. We need to hear you here in the sanctuary. Uh, today, there, our closing hymn is in your teal hymnal. This is what the teal hymnal looks like. It is number 1064. Words will be up on the screen and on your screen as well. Uh, 1064, Blue Boat Home. Please rise as you feel moved.
as we travel this wide universe together, may we pay attention to what is speaking to us from the dark, the whispers and the dreams that point us to our part of something bigger, something that we are creating together. May we pay attention to our dreams this month and remember that it is good, it is good, it is good. May it be so, and amen. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider supporting our ministry. Text First Univ, that's F-I-R-S-T, UNIV to 73256 to make your gift. If you are able to join us in person for Sunday worship, we'd love to see you in church. To learn more, visit us online at firstuniversalistchurch.org.